Kids, they're here to replace us. So how can we make our downfall as fast and efficient as possible? I'm Matt Robeson. This is the Mike Morton Podcast, Financial Life Planning. I'm your host for reasons that we explored in our last episode. I guess I'm Mike Morton's rent-a-host. Mike, welcoming (laughs) myself back here. It's great to be back with you again as you're unpaid. You know what it occurred to me? I was listening to our last show, which was great. It was about should you finance your car, but it's really not about that. And brought up this idea that I'm like your unpaid rental host. And darn it all, it dawned on me. I'm the world's worst gigolo. (laughs) This is terrible. I'm like, you're like, shake it, (laughs) sir. Tell me about my financial life. Put me in a HELOC. This is terrible. Why am I doing this? It's only because you're unpaid, Matt. That's why you're the world's worst. (laughs) This is a bad business model. You know what you should do? You should hire a financial planner to really help you out with your future finances. (laughs) That's see again. Once again, this is the beauty of your whole business. Your whole show is it's about financial planning, but it's really not. Okay, we did do an episode a couple of weeks ago, as I teased a moment ago, about hey, we get we've got kids, many of us in our lives. We want to save for college. How do we go about doing that? And you wanted to drill down a little bit further. All joking aside. about how you set that up. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted to continue that conversation because hopefully people tuned in and thought, oh, this is good. I have a little bit of extra money, 20 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, something to get started that I would like to springboard my kids. We talked all about how the opportunity makes a massive difference to young people. Even just a few thousand dollars can make a big difference. Hopefully if that resonated, your next natural question is going to be, oh, I've started some savings what do I do with that? So I just thought we'd talk through a little bit on some high level thinking, how to think about it, and then some practical steps to different ways of implementing that saving and investing so that again, it's automatic, it's set up, and you can just check in once a year. Got it. And just remind me from that earlier episode we did, there are many ways that you could potentially use some savings you've set aside for your kids. That was part of your point is that you just don't know but there, it's like a Swiss army knife of, hey, if you've got some assets, it's going to be super duper useful to them in a variety of contexts. Are you most focused on college yeah. here or is it still like that it, broader? Yeah. In fact, I'm not focused on college in this conversation at all. So I would put like retirement, college, some of those big goals, living expenses, some of those big things that you have to pay for or save in advance for to the side. This is really the idea that I would love to support my kids. Matt, (laughs) it's so funny to say. I do this every day. I'm exhausted from supporting my kids in everyday activities. But if you want to get ahead a little bit, if you think I want to financially support them as I can down the road, maybe a little bit extra here or there, like a down payment for a house, maybe helping them 50% of their first car. So things that you think, yeah, I'm here. I'd like to financially support them as I can, maybe in 5, 10, 20 years from now in different ways. This is a way, this is an opportunity to earmark some saving and investing towards that where you don't know exactly what it's going to be, but you just have that interest in continuing to support your kids. What was that incredible statistic you gave that if you put $1,000 away in like the stock market, the moment they're born, by the time they retire, like yeah. how much is that? Is it like yeah, 50 three, million or $3,000 compounds to a million or 50 million, depending on the time period. So millions of dollars. It's amazing. Compound interest, a wonder of the world. It's hard to wrap. It's a know. hell of a drug. And we can't wrap our minds around. It. It's one of those things. And this is why, you know, people come to financial planners. It's, I can understand today. I can understand this year, my budget and expenses. 
but we can't with inflation and predicting five, 10, 20 years. Remember a pack of bubble gum? It used to be like a couple of pennies. Yeah, so yeah. it's just really hard to wrap your head around interest, inflation, and compounding. Good gracious, I hate <laughs> bubble gum. Is there anything worse? There's not a single aspect of bubble gum that's good. I think, honestly, it's like Satan's chew toy. Like, why does this thing wait, exist? Wait, why are you, um, wait, why are you, you so know, against bubble gum? <laughs> why is so against bubble gum? I'm against bubble gum. You know, the major reason is that I'm against baseball. Oh, big League Chew. Come on. The two, the two are tied together. <laughs> yeah, they're both horrible, and they're the major reason for America's decline. You know, honestly, this whole conversation is reminding me of the movie The Wedding Singer, where Adam Sandler suddenly shouts, information that would have been useful to me yesterday. <laughs> that would actually be a great name for this podcast, because it's like what people pay you for is it's what you were saying a moment ago. It's that you're thinking to yourself, I already support my kids plenty. Thank you. I want to support them less because I'm spoiling them and they're becoming useless <laughs> people. So don't tell me how to support them more. But I'm going to put ourselves in a time machine till 20 years from now where it's, wow, this is information that would have been useful to me when I could have done something about it 20 years ago and it would have really made a meaningful difference today. Here's another reference for you. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's this whole joke that you could go to the restaurant at the end of the universe, but it's insanely expensive. It's galactically expensive. So it's easy. All you do is you get back in your time machine, you go back to the Bing Bang Burger Bar, you put one penny in your savings account, and then through the magic of compound interest, you can afford your dinner at the end of the universe. That's basically what you're setting up here. Okay, we've we've belabored this enough. So you've already committed to, you're going to put some money away. What next? Yeah. So hopefully, you know, you're thinking this is a good idea. I'm going to put some money away, set up that automatic you could do it once a year, one-time thing, if you get a bonus or something like that, or just setting up some monthly savings. So you sweep that out somewhere. And let's talk about the high level. We want to get that money invested, right? So you're sweeping out some money. Maybe it's $1,000 a year. And so we don't want to just have it sit there in cash. We all know where cash is going. $1,000 today is not worth what it was a few minutes ago. So you definitely want to have this invested because the beauty of this money is it's invested for the long term. You're going to be using this in 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years. Maybe it's for your kids retirement or something like that, you know, that you want to be using this money. So you have a long time horizon. And when we have a long time horizon, you can get paid for that. Take on the risk of volatility. Your money could go up or down with those investments, but get paid for taking on that risk in terms of potential reward down the road. So I would definitely get the money aggressively invested, I would put it 100% into the stock market to get that invested. And then again, since we don't have a specific goal, so this is unlike retirement or college savings where we are targeting some specific numbers. This one, we don't know what it's going to grow to. Let's just swing for the fences, get paid for taking on that risk, get it fully invested into the stock market. And I was going to ask you, but I think you just answered this question a little bit. I was going to ask you, would this be like the ultimate use of a target date fund? But it sounds like that uncertainty around when you're going to use it means that you can't exactly say, oh, target date 60 years from now, boom, we're done. You might want to be a little bit more nuanced. Yeah, I'm a big fan of target date funds for where they sit, which is mostly in those employer retirement accounts. And that's the best place for mm -hmm. using them. And it's the best place for using them for people that want one stop, check in once a year, boom, click it, I'm all set. But 
Beyond that, I'm not the biggest fan because they do shift that risk profile over the time, over time, and it might not be right for you. And so in this instance, I would not use target date funds because they always carry at least 10% in bonds, at least all the ones that I reviewed recently. So even those ones that are 30 or 40 or 50 years in the future, they still have 10% in bonds, which is not too bad. You're getting four or 5% interest. Hey, much better than like a year ago but I would still get it 100% into the market. I see. Is this a situation where you want to be in a in kind of a tax-free or tax-deferred account? So we talked about that a little bit, and my recommendation is just leave it in your in a taxable account. Open up a new brokerage account. So let's say, let's talk some tactics. All right, how can we actually go about doing this? So the easiest mm -hmm. thing, yes, we do the tax-deferred accounts for our kids. We talked about that, the Roth IRA, but then it's, oh, slow down. This is five steps and I've got like three kids and yeah, it's not happening. So do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever you currently have brokerage at Schwab or Fidelity or TD or whatever, Vanguard, just open up a new account. Go to like open account. They love you opening accounts. So you can do it there. You can open up a new account, just make it a brokerage account. And then you can auto sweep money from an existing account into that new one. Okay. And then you can invest from there. So I'm going to talk about some specific investment. That's one way of doing it. So now it's in that account and I'll tell you about investments to do there. The other way, there's a couple other places you could do this. One that I like, you could, oh, you could use a robo advisor. I was thinking about this, Matt. You could set up a new account at a robo advisor. Again, just put it in your name, click, make it super simple. Don't deal with the minor kids and all of that account stuff. Okay. And then you can just say, set it to hundred percent, super aggressive. And you can put in 50 bucks a month into Betterment or Robo Advisor, Wealthfront or whatever, Robo Advisor. So you could use that. Another one that I love, Matt, and I use is M1 Finance. Okay, so this is one M1 Finance. It's another brokerage. You can click, open up an account. What I love about it is you can set your own. You have no connection to this. You have, you have <laughs> no, you get no compensation. I am paid by no one except my clients. Okay. So I don't get commissions or trust me, even if we, Matt and I are talking about advertising on this podcast. First of all, who's going to want to advertise on our podcast? Matt would get a, Matt gets a hundred percent of everything that we make. <laughs> this is going to end up in my podcast oh feed. I, there is advertising that, in this uh, podcast. And Mike literally 15 minutes ago said to me, yeah, you can keep all the money from that. And I was like, we, we agree. agree. <laughs> yeah. You can keep the 15 cents. I agree. No, no affiliations. Good point. Thanks, Matt. No affiliations to any of these things. In finance, what I love about it is it's your own robo advisor. So you can put in 50 bucks mm. a month and you set up your own little portfolio, which I'm going to tell you about in a sec. And then that 50 bucks gets auto put into your portfolio. So rather than using like the Betterment portfolio, which is fine. You can make your own, which is a little simpler because instead of their sort of 15 different funds, I'll tell you, you can get into three or five and that's it. And so M1 Finance, I'm a big fan. It's automated. I check it like once a year and just monthly just pulls from my account and gets it invested. Does this have to be in separate accounts that like have your kids' names attached to them in some way? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we talked about that. My, again, my recommendation, let's just start simple, Matt. So open up one account, just name it. You can name, sometimes add like a, you know, nickname to the account. So just put for kids or something like that. And then just, mm. but it's your account. It's just owned by you or a joint account with two partners. So yeah, keep it super simple. Down the road, we can get into the fancy. My kid has a job. They're making thousands of dollars. Let's open up a Roth IRA for them. And then you can move money from this account 
into their Roth IRA. So you've already saved, so you can help them out. So it's another use for saving now. Do you ever run into, sorry to get a little bit into the weeds, but all right, let's say I do what you just outlined and put in several hundred, a thousand dollars a year and compound interest, yada, yada. And now in 20 years, my kid is going to try to, I don't know, she needs a down payment on a house. Do we, if there, let's say there is $50,000 in there at that point. That's actually mm -hmm. plausible. What Would we run afoul of gift rules through the IRS <laughs> if it's too much? I would just, or do you, at what yeah. point do I need this to be something that my child owns that is hers? Yeah. So listen, Matt, great question, but you're bringing up problems we don't have. So I like to solve problems that we have today. That is not going to be an issue. So yes, good question to be aware of. It's not going to be an issue. Yes, there's gift taxing rules and there's other blah, blah, blah. Okay. But let's stay focused on like, you know, solving problems we have today. I want to get this done because I have an interest in supporting my kids in 20 years. So we got to start today. You know, he talked about when's the best time to start well, was 20 years ago, but today is the second best time. So get started today and deal with those problems down the road, which will not be issues. So I'm not too concerned about that. I yeah. see. There, yeah. there are ways to work around yeah, that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, all right. So now you have gone ahead and set this up. Um, yeah. What do you need to do at that point? Because we've talked on this show about how often do you check your yeah. accounts? Like how often do you like look at your por portfolio? And you mentioned a moment ago that like target date funds aren't necessarily appropriate here because of the uncertainty. Well, part partly the bond mix and partly the uncertainty about when you're going to use this. How often do you check in on this along the way? Again, I know there's yeah. a future problem, but is this the kind of thing that you truly can afford to fire and forget yep. or was this the kind of thing that you need to be a little bit more active nope. about fire and forget man i check mine like once a year if that and then just make an adjustment like oh i wasn't missing that maybe i can up it to 75 bucks <laughs> so that's why you check once a year now let's get into what you're actually going to invest in so now you have the account you've got it at your brokerage okay. or you use an m1 finance mike what do i actually invest in first starting point just invest in the u.s stock market Okay, so Vanguard. Right, I was going to say index Yeah, fund. definitely low-cost index funds. <laughs> definitely start there. No, just invest in a single stock. Pick your, just pick a ticker that you like and uh, put all your money into that that one. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Don't, <laughs> Don't do that, people. <laughs> so, all right. oh, so we love low-cost index funds. So that's a great starting point. Just total U.S. stock market. You can put 100% of the money you're saving into that. And I do want to bore the listeners with some numbers just for a minute, okay? So we've got the total U.S. stock market. The next place I would look, these are called asset classes. Okay, the total U.S. stock market is all 3,000 plus companies here based in the U.S. There's large companies, middle-sized companies, small companies, okay? It's mostly dominated by large companies because uh, you put more of your money into the larger companies. And so that's how those index funds work. So if you buy the total U.S. stock market, you own a lot of big companies, which is great. They do really well. Think of like Apple and Microsoft and Walmart and Johnson & Johnson. Like these, these guys make you know a lot of money. People buy their products. So that's great. But we could diversify into smaller companies, okay? And so there's an area called small cap value. That's another asset class. Smaller companies, and then they're splitting this value spectrum. And the reason I like adding that 
is because of historical returns. So that would be my second place that I would add some money into a small cap value fund. And then finally, you can go international. It's good to get a little international. And so I have specific recommendations I'm going to tell you about. But before I do that, I'm going to bore the listeners with some historical returns. And here's why I recommend those different asset classes. Over the last one year period, fluctuations, you have no idea what's going to happen. Like the U.S. large you know, U.S. large companies or total U.S. stock market um, generally has like a 10% return each year over the last 100 years. That's pretty awesome. The best return was over 50% in one year, but the worst return was like minus 50%. So lots of up and downs in, in a single year, okay? But let's go out to 40 years, okay? So a 40-year time horizon. What's the average return over 40-year periods, okay? So the U.S. stock market, it's about that 11%, all right? And the highest is 12% and the lowest is 9%. So now you see over 40 years, it's really hovering right around that 10, 11%. The small cap value, 40-year time periods, 16%. Okay, so we've gone from 10 or 11% to 15 or 16% per year over 40 years time, okay? And again, the best and worst, you know, fluctuates around that. So that's why I like adding, when we had that long time horizon, we talked about taking on more risk and getting paid for taking on more risk because in the one year, it could go up or down significantly, but 40 years, US stock market about 10, 11%, small cap value, 15 or 16%. And that's why I like to add more of that into those young people's portfolios. Makes sense. And I just want to note that we are going to be sponsored by Ambien because uh, for listeners who are not into numbers, um, that last segment of the show will actually do that exact same service <laughs> for you. Um, but for listeners who are into numbers, which I, I hope most of you are because you are listening to this show, like we didn't force you, man. That was really interesting because that difference, you've talked about this a little bit before. I'm not going to make you do math on the fly, but like a five percentage point difference over 40 years is... I mean, like just on a basis of $1,000, I don't know. I don't know what the compounding is on that, but I would gather it's in the millions. Yeah, it's super significant. And I was just trying to scroll around, Matt, to see if I had some numbers on that, which I did somewhere, but- If you have it offhand. I do not at the moment. Don't worry about it. People can take this as an article of faith. Trust me, like Big Bang Burger Bar to yeah. restaurant at the end of the universe, compound interest, it's a hell of a drug. Okay, so that makes sense. So just to read this back to you here, this is actually- you're trying to make this as easy as possible. And it does actually sound pretty easy. This is the kind of thing that I could do in maybe about 10 minutes. I could, because surely people have some kind of existing financial firm. You threw some out, Fidelity, Vanguard, whatever. You go there, you set up an account, you set up an auto transfer, maybe monthly, probably already doing that, frankly, for other accounts. And you name the account and you just select broad, low-cost index funds. You throw some small cap into the mix to take advantage of that long time horizon. I mean, that's, that's, it. that's, that's it. it, man. Now, all right. Now, let's, I know, again, this is straying a little bit from the, you wanted to focus mostly on people who have not taken this step. And you're trying to nudge them by saying, look at how easy this is. Just take this step. So I get that. But I'll bet there are people out there who have done this. There are people out there who have some existing savings or maybe they're managing an inheritance. Maybe they're managing, you know, like the grandparents mm -hmm. left something behind. So you've got these assets 
and you're beginning to think to yourself, huh, I'm actually looking around the corner not to a 40-year time horizon, but to like a three-year time horizon, a five-year time horizon. I could see some potential uses of this coming. What do you do then? Yeah. So what you do then is you start de-risking. So when we have money that you want to spend soon, then you need to get that into safe bonds or cash. Okay. And when I say the word cash, I mean money market funds where you can get four or 5% or six months. There's a variety of tools where you can still have this quote unquote cash available. Don't just take it out of the bank and put it on your mattress. Don't do that. So yeah, you need to start de-risking. If it's one to two years, I like cash. If it's seven years, I like short-term bonds. And then beyond that, anything beyond seven or eight years, um, it's 100% into the stock market. And that's why you end up with a mix, Matt, of a portfolio. Like I'm 80% stocks and 20% fixed income because maybe some of it's some emergency savings for just in case. You don't want it to lose value. Maybe some of it you're going to be spending. You're not sure. So you have a little bit there. And it, that drag, the 20% that's in fixed income, uh, doesn't really give much drag to your overall portfolio. So yeah, you start doing that. The other thing I remembered is for the grandparents and the inheritance, think of your dollars in terms of that long-term. What are those dollars actually going to be spent towards? And you're like, I like supporting my grandkids. And I'm sure some of this I'm going to leave to my kids in the next 10 years or 20 years. So that can be aggressively invested. Even if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, you can be very heavily aggressively invested with some of your money because of where it's going to end up. Right, right. And I know we've, your whole goal here is, this is like behavioral economics, Richard Thaler 101, is like make doing this the easiest possible thing. You're trying to nudge people by saying like, it's not complicated people. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I think, I think that's, I want to ratify <laughs> that point. And at the same time, for people who want to connect a couple of dots, we've talked on this show before about how to start to teach your kids about savings and about financial planning. And I mentioned in our episode about this, you could kind of combine strategies here a little bit. I talked about the app Greenlight. We're not being sponsored by Greenlight. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can integrate this into the, the Greenlight system where if you're giving your kids an allowance, you can give them more than like, oh, you know, like you did your chores this week, you get three bucks or whatever it is. You could say, actually, you're getting 10 bucks, but seven of it is going into savings. And they get a little bit involved in the process. They see where it's going. They're aware of the fact that this money is there. You talk a bit about the use. You understand, you know, here's compound interest. Here's what we're doing. And it can become more of a hand in opportunity. But I, I assume that that's something you both agree with. And also that, you know, people who are like, yeah, too much, too much. Just focus on the main point here, which is actually the core thing you need to do is darn easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree that having financial education topics, discussions within the household as, as kids are growing up. Now, we talked about don't make it a burden. Don't be like, ah, oh, I haven't had a discussion this week. I really like, I gotta like do something. No, no, no. But just as the opportunity comes up, don't shy away from it. It's three, seven, 15. Engage in what can be uncomfortable conversations, right? The kids will ask you all kinds of questions about how much money do you make? How much does this cost? How much are you worth? All kinds of stuff. And of course, answer them fully, but don't shy away. They're uncomfortable. 
but they're important conversations to be having with your kids. So here, yeah, it's another opportunity to pull that in. But again, for this specific thing, what I found with clients, many of them want to support their kids. <laughs> okay. Many, most parents I've run across like to support their kids. And here's another opportunity to feel really great, to get something going in the real world. It only counts if you do something and you can do something and feel really, really good about it in terms of another way that you're supporting your kids. Well, I'm definitely not going to ask my kids what I'm worth because according to Mike Morton, the answer is zero. No, no. My, the payment for it's my services is It's not that you're worth zero. zero, Matt. That just happens to be what I got you for. <laughs> that happens to just, that just happens to be the going rate. That's, right. That's all you're saying. All right, on that happy note, we are gonna have to leave it there. From Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next Thanks, time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at FinancialPlanningPod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.